Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 36 of your mom's favorite basketball podcast, Bucketheads. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm here with Justin Goble for what I believe is our best episode yet, or will be our best episode yet, in my opinion. Yeah, I just want to make a quick public service announcement on behalf of Bucketheads. Um, I would like to say I was wrong. I already got excited about the Cincinnati Reds season after the Braves opening series. Uh, I'm no longer excited about the Cincinnati Reds season, and I will be taking no comments at this time. As there's a deep drive into left field, and that'll go for a home run, and it'll be a four nothing <laughs> ball game. I may never put this headset on again. Yes, that, that, that is that is uh, unfortunately what the Reds are at this point known for. Uh, so that's great. Um, but yes, this is a fun pod. This is be a fun podcast. We talked to Joe. Joe, is it Gemma or Gemma? Gemma? We asked him. I forgot. Gemma, uh, the man behind Ohio State Hoops Twitter and Instagram accounts. And that was a lot of fun. Um, you might know him. You might not. But if you don't, you'll get to know him a little better during this podcast. And also, we do have some Ohio State transfer news, coaching news. I mean, we go every two weeks now. So we even have a national champion that we didn't have before the last episode, which is Kansas. Uh, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about and get into. So we'll get right into yeah, it. It's Joe Gemma. Like we talked to him and he kind of said, you know, everybody says Gemma. We're like, no, nah, man, if, if it's pronounced one way, you know, we're going to say it the right way. My last name is spelled lemons, but it's pronounced Lamont. So, you know, I was like, oh, no, no, man, we got to we got to make sure to pronounce it the right way. If, if you want to set a certain way. So we talked to Joe um, about about himself, um, gave the people an opportunity to learn a little bit about the man behind the hoops accounts that everyone loves, as well as. Um, you know, what really goes on when you run a massive brand like that on, on the internet, you know, like how much freedom you have to do 
certain things have you ever like fucked up big time and posted something that you know immediately holtman is like nope take that down take that down when you have a hundred thousand people following uh you know we talked to him a little bit because i ran the buckeye nuthouse account when i was in college which had like 30 40 thousand people and i was always nervous posting on there i think you said that you ran one of the kent state accounts too and it's like same thing when you post something with a big account if you mess up it's like oh crap there's a huge audience well joe runs an account that has like five times the followers that like the nuthouse account has for example yeah his account has similar uh it does buckethead numbers as we call it correct we have nearly as many followers as the ohio state hoops account many people are saying oh and joe joe gemma the the longest tenured member of the ohio state uh basketball staff actually people forget this that is a common thing people forget so but before we do that so yeah so we got real stuff too to talk about before we get to that interview first of all you you uh led off with it kansas is our new national champion we love a good plucky underdog the kansas jayhawks congratulations to our national champions um i want to also point out that uh, i got second in almost every single bracket challenge i did including the land grant holy one holy land one um and I did the Sleepers Media one, which is, if you don't know Sleepers Media, they're a good college basketball account. Check them out. Uh, but I did that one, and it was the grand prize was just straight up, the winner got a 1000 bucks, like just the winner. And I got second by 10 points. So that's agony. Where, so that's where Absolute, my last week was at. That Absolute was a, agony. That was tough, tough one. But uh, as you mentioned, Kansas won the national championship. It was a fun game, whatever, who cares? Coach K's gone. See you, sucker. Uh, Tanner Holden transferred into high school. Did you wait, have wait, Coach Gate comment? Would you like to do a funeral? I was going to say, no, 15-point halftime deficit. Biggest oh, right, right. comeback in championship game history. I like, forgot there was even a comeback. That's a- they they were getting their shit kicked in in the first half. And then, that yeah, I was I was shocked. I guess I shouldn't say shocked because I feel like – I wasn't shocked college all, bas- I feel like college basketball like always goes that way. Like when a team gets up by like 10 or 15 points, like they never like press the gas down and just like – all right, let's just step on their necks and end this. The team that's down always comes back, I feel like. Well, and that's just so. – that's Carolina's bread and butter because they've been – if you've watched any Carolina this year, like they, they lost a pit. You know, this was a team that they're so hot and cold and that game just kind of embodied their entire season of hot and cold. They had some bad breaks down the stretch with Armando Baycott and him getting injured by the floor apparently. But, um, you know, still I, I think Kansas – Kansas was my preseason pick. They were my midseason pick. They were my postseason pick. I just think they're the best team in the country. It's nice actually when the best team in the country wins the championship. So Yeah, they they were they were legit. Carolina had a really good run. I think they kind of played above their uh I think Carolina kind of played above what they typically are or what they showed all season, but made a hot run all the championship game. Carolina are also not going anywhere as Armando Baycott. My favorite thing in college basketball not just kind of college sports, but just in like journalism happened today because Armando Baycott announced he was coming back to school. Uh, for one more year. He announced it on Twitter, on his own Twitter account in a video. And 30 seconds after he posted it, John Rothstein tweeted, Armando Baycott tells me he's coming back to North Carolina. Yeah. I was like, no, yeah, John, yeah. he told the world that. He didn't tell you. He told the world. Okay, so. John Rothstein always is doing some shit like that. Like He also does so, not so, cult so. treat stuff. He'd chill, like, say, according to their Twitter. It's like, John, just retweet it. Like, Yeah. <laughs> So-and-so just told me this, and we're like, no, like no, he, no, he didn't just us. yes. And apparently, he's blocked people for like quote tweeting him and being like, "No, John, no, John." They told everybody it's right here. Oh, you gotta love it! Shout out to John Rustin, friend of the pod. Probably not. Is is he a friend of the pod? I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't think that. I, I don't think I want that. 
I take that back. If John Ross didn't no, agree absolutely. to come on the pod, I would, I would awesome. have John Ross on the pod. That would be so much um, fun. Just to prove that he's not a robot. Tanner Holden, as you said, uh, right state guard Tanner Holden is coming to Ohio State. That was announced last week. I think it was like a couple days after our last episode. Last Saturday. Last Saturday. He, I was golfing. He legitimately could be their leading scorer. Yeah, I, I fully expect him to be. Um, and for the – like. This isn't a situ- This isn't a Cedric Russell thing. This is a guy that will come in and plug and play and play right away, uh, similar to like a Devontae Jones at Michigan and stuff like that. So, you know, he's going to come back. He he's a perfect, I think, complement to Justice Suing, who you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but Justice Suing also announced he was coming back, which was it was a weird like that was we could talk about that, but that was a fun like two days where we people thought Justice Suing was transferring, like that would make that like that would have made any sense, but um. Justice Suing is back. Tanner Holden's coming in. They're starting to put this roster together, and it's starting to look pretty. I mean, the good part about Tanner Holden is it, it's it's irrelatable to Malachi Branham, right? If Malachi Branham comes back, you can still slide like he's not, but if he does, you can still slide him at the two, and Holden and Suing can play the three and the four. If you don't get, if you only get another point guard, and you don't get really a two, and Malachi Branham leaves, or you want UG Brown to put the two, uh, you can slide Tanner Holden at the two and Justice Suing at the three. And then maybe somebody else if they get a Jalen Bridges or Ben Vanderplas at the four. So he just gives them a lot of line of flexibility that I think they kind of need. Um, with still some question marks about who you know we still don't know about Seth Towns. He's been zero dark thirty. We have no idea. He hasn't said a word, so we don't know. Um, I'll just put it out there now. My opinion: the longer they go without hearing from him, the better chance he comes back. I just think that makes sense. Maybe not. Who knows? But um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I mean, this was this was our guy. Like we talked about, this is who we wanted them to get it was completely quiet on that front until saturday morning i know both of us started hearing stuff that tanner holden might be coming in or they were getting somebody it might be tanner holden um yeah i I, this was this was perfect for me yeah if you read uh adam jardy had like he called him that day and talked to him and he wrote an article about their phone call and basically tanner holden said like he went into the portal and like less than five minutes later it's also funny saying going into the portal as if like a player is physically walking into some kind of portal i just think of avengers endgame and all these players coming out of the portal to fight yeah literally tanner holden came out of the tanner holden tanner holden walked into this portal and within five minutes uh jake deepler had called him he was the first coach to call him when he announced he was transferring and tanner holden visited ohio state the very next day like 24 hours later because he's in wheelersburg which is down in the ohio river so like an hour and a half away so he visited like the very next day and two days later was like okay i'm in but he didn't put anything on twitter he didn't put any information out didn't like share like who's calling him because i think in the article he said like dozens and dozens of teams reached out to him but ohio state was the very ohio state was the very first team to reach out to him and they were able to get him on campus 24 hours later that is that and that you know that makes like i feel good you know what i'm saying if i if i get fired not fired but if i tell my job i'm leaving and by the time i tell him i'm gone i get a phone call like hey we want you to work here i'd be like all right bet yeah i i don't think that he i don't believe he grew up like as an ohio state fan his dad um played basketball at marshall um, he's in the Marshall like athletics hall of fame. So I think he, I'm pretty sure he said he grew up like rooting for Marshall for most sports, but he did say like, when you grow yeah, up in Ohio everyone. state, like it's just like a big, it's just like a huge brand. Like even if you're not like a diehard Ohio state fan, pretty much everybody in Ohio still roots for Ohio state to do well. He was like, so it was pretty crazy. Like after not really being 
recruited by any big schools for basketball because he was an all-state football player um, and was recruited by several Big Ten teams to play football. Yeah, And he was trying to pick between football and basketball, and he said that by the time he was like, I'm all in on basketball, it was really, really late in like his high school career. And most big schools, like we, we can't take a, a recruit this late in the period. So he ended up going to Wright State. So he really wasn't recruited by any big schools for basketball. So to have a, a, a huge brand like that reach out to him, he was just like, "That's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a great ad. Another great ad they had was in the coaching staff, uh, head coach Jack Owens. Named an assistant coach, uh, former Miami head coach. I just said Ohio State head coach. Former Miami of Ohio head coach, Jack Owen, sorry. Uh, was named the assistant coach to take over for the losses they've had at that, at, at that, posi- at, at, on their staff. Um, Jack Owens, this was a great get, in my opinion. He was Miami of Ohio's head coach for five years. You know, the Mac is, I've been, I've been a champ, I've been championing the Mac the entire time on this podcast. I think the Mac's a great conference. You learn a lot. Look at some of the coaches that have come out of the MAC with Nate Oates at Alabama, Bobby Hurley over at Arizona State. Um, you know these are good coaches that are in the MAC. Obviously, currently in the MAC is guys like John Grossi, Rob Senderoff, and Jeff Bowles. So you know, these guys know what they're doing. Miami's a tough place to win in the MAC too. And he, when I was at least when I was at Kent State, Miami was always very competitive. Um, so it was. It, he's a great coach. He was at Purdue for nine years, four years as the assistant head co- as the, as an assistant. And then five years as the associate head coach under Matt Painter. I mean, Matt Painter's a coach. I don't want to say legend, but he's very, very good. So good person to learn under. Um, I think this was a great get. He's already been on the recruitment of Laurent Rice down in Cincinnati. So, you know, he has those Ohio ties. He has those Big Ten ties. And that's something that can't really be overstated when you just have a guy who's out. He's been out there. He knows knows the landscape when it comes to recruiting. And, and obviously, as a former head coach, he knows how to coach so uh, I think this was a great get especially because you know as Holtman's losing Brian Pedon's been his guy and that's his right hand man so uh, to bring in a guy like Jack Owens I think was was really good not only timing but just a great get for Coach Holtman. Uh, just a quick correction Laurent Rice so he's at Wayne which actually in Dayton so I mean it doesn't change what you said but like just to, just so people are aware like Laurent Rice is at Wayne High School it's in Dayton so a little bit north of Cincinnati he needs to go to Cincinnati. What? I said he he'll, he'll go to Cincinnati. He'll, he's in Cincinnati. That's the that's what I'm going with. I refuse to be I refuse to be wrong. I would say that getting a, getting a guy that was a head coach is a big deal. Like getting, I know that he was fired, so people might say like, oh, what other options did he have? I mean, he could always sit around and wait for another head coaching opportunity. Like it may be at a smaller school, but like another head coaching opportunity would present itself. Uh, so he's going to go be an assistant on a staff after being a head coach for five years. Um, he's a guy that. You know, he's coaching in Ohio currently. He was with Miami, Ohio, so he's very familiar with Ohio and the Midwest. He it was over at uh, Purdue for a long time, and he helped recruit some of their best bigs. Um, Isaac Haas, Caleb Swanigan, those were like some of his big recruiting gets over at Purdue. Um, and we know how much Ohio State fans are always demanding elite big men um, because those grow on trees. So if you if you want good big guys, that was kind of his thing at Purdue. He's familiar with the Midwest and recruiting the Midwest, Purdue and Miami. And I do agree with you that Miami is probably a really tough place to coach just because like you're kind of wedged there in like Southern Ohio where there's so many other programs that are going to be trying to get the same kids like Cincinnati, Ohio State, um, even like Wright State is there. Um, The schools right over the border in Indiana, the schools like Northern Kentucky and Western Kentucky right below the border there. Um, And it's like, does Miami of Ohio really have 
many selling points over all of those schools. Like it's gotta be a tough place to like win games. Yeah. And also, I mean, just when you look at like the landscape of the Mac is really controlled by Buffalo, Toledo, Ohio, Kent state, Akron. And a lot of those schools are, like you said, they're Ohio schools. So um, he, and they were always competitive. They've, Miami hasn't had a star player probably since Wally Zerbiak back in the day. But, um, you know, Nike, Nike Sabandi is a name that was at Miami who is now at Pittsburgh. He's played pretty well. So I, I think this is a, I think this is a great get. It was a great, like, well, this was the same day, right? Tanner Holden and Jack Owens was announced. Well, it was all rumored the same day. So it was a nice little 24 hours for Ohio State. And then you said, you kind of said it real quick, Justice Suing is back, which was a really weird Super weird that, of course, it's it's fucking John Rothstein. We we're just talking about John Rothstein, uh, foe foe of the pod. He tweets that justice. He's like justice suing tells me again tells me justice suing tells me that he is coming back to college. But then he puts like dot dot dot. No other details have been uh, decided yet, which is very clear. Like I will be playing college basketball, but not necessarily for the school that I just was playing for. You'll have to wait and find out. So then everybody's like just in panic mode for like two days until he announced like pretty late, uh, like two days later that he's like, yes, I'm coming back to Ohio state for one more season. We have unfinished business. But at first it was like, wait, 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 what? Yeah. And I talked about this on buck off um, last week with Chris, you know, this is like, this was a very good example of national media versus local because the national media, like John Rossi doesn't cover Ohio state. He covers college basketball for CBS sports. So he got probably a text, probably from Justice. I mean, from Justice Suing, that said like, "Yo," that told him he's come back. And John Rothstein probably called him or texted, whatever the case may be. Um, now Adam Jardy, right when Rothstein tweeted that, even maybe a little bit before, Jardy goes like, "He tweeted what he tweet? Hang on a second or something." Yeah, just like sit tight or something sit like tight, that. Something like that because I'm sure Jardy had it on pretty good information that Suing was coming back and probably to Ohio State. But he was probably just waiting to make sure he had it for sure because Jardy can't get that stuff wrong um, when it comes to being the beat reporter and the – I mean the face of when it comes to reporting on Ohio State. So that's when he kind of got his ducks in order and started going like – he sent out – I know he sent out texts for his little text subscriber thing. He was like, look, don't panic about this. Just assuming he's coming back to Ohio State. He's just waiting to announce it himself basically. So it was an interesting kind of thing of a lot of people took what Rothstein said and just kind of were like – I mean, look, if you're a negative Ohio State fan and you don't like Chris Holman, you're like, yep, he's gone. Who would stay this program? And if you're a positive one, you're like, I really no reason for him to leave, but we'll see. So um, he's back. And, you know, I, I don't know. It, it was a very interesting two days, but um, I, 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 had, I said it from the Buckethead's account at the time. I wouldn't worry about just assuming I, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense for him to transfer again. After coming to Ohio State, he's been there for three years now and he would have played one season. That's not really you know, that's not really fulfilled. So I don't know. And we can't be, you know, people were like, well, do we even know where to get from him if he's healthy or not? And I mean, the honest answer is no, we don't know, but you have to assume that like if he was practicing and getting close to returning and what they said was if he's not a hundred percent by the end of the season, we're not going to let him play that. We both took that as like, he's getting close. He's making a lot of progress. So Technically, no, we, we don't know if he's going to be fully healthy. We don't know if he's going to play a full 32 games next season, but I'm trying to be an optimist. And also, I'm going to assume that having a year and a half between when you sustain an injury will be enough time to recover and that 
he wouldn't be coming back to college basketball to play another year and not be paid for it if he didn't think he was actually going to play. Because he could have also gone pro and probably played overseas somewhere and, you know, made like a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. I don't think that he would come back to college and play another year where he's not getting paid a salary if he didn't think he was actually healthy enough to play. Yeah, I don't love the injury. Like, do we know he's going to be healthy? There is not a player in college basketball I can promise he's going to be healthy come November. That's not a thing that happens. You can walk outside and sprain your ankle. Like, I, that that is so up in the air and so just kind of glass half empty that it's just like it's not even worth talking about. It doesn't – because it, anybody can get hurt at any time. The fact of the matter that he – they said we're not going to – that's what I said during the season. Them saying that we're not going to push him, he has to be 100% was them – basically telling me, like, he's coming back next year. We don't want to do anything that could really make this injury worse, let him fully recover, and then let him play a full season next season. So um, so with Justice Suing being back, talk about a couple guys who are gone. Justin Orange transferred out. This one was kind of foreseen. Um, like, some people act like this was a surprise. Justin Orange was never coming back to Columbus. He was either going to transfer out and play one more season somewhere else, or he was going to graduate and, and move on. Yeah. Um, he was never coming back to Ohio State. He was already gone. And then Meech, so best of luck to him. I uh, hope he finds a shot somewhere because he he can play. I mean, he's, he's a he's a high level player. You know, at a high, you know he struggled this year with a shot, but he's a guy who can give a, a, a team some good minutes. And then a little bit more surprising, but not incredibly surprising. Meechie Johnson announced he was transferring uh, Tuesday night. Um, no word on where he's going, but he is going to be looking at other options. He didn't sometimes they put in their transfer announcement that they'll keep Ohio State or wherever they're transferred from in their options. He didn't say that, so it sounds like he's probably gone for good no matter where he goes. Um and again, I mean best of luck to him. But when you have he probably saw the writing on the wall. You have a five star point or four star point guard coming in. You have George Washington right behind him. All signs point to they're bringing in a point guard in the transfer portal. So, you know, hopefully he can go somewhere else and play 30 minutes a game. Uh, he had a tough season with injuries and whatnot, but you know he's still a talented player. So, um, but yeah, so yeah, that, that yeah, I mean, you could you could argue that like you could look at what they have on the roster, what's coming. Like, was there ever going to be a point over the next three years when Michi Johnson was going to be a starter at Ohio State? Like, I, I would say no. There's never going to be a point where he was going to be a starter. He will always probably get passed up on the depth chart by like Bruce Thornton or like Roddy Gale or George Washington. Whoever they bring in as a, as a, as yeah, a, yeah so I was just saying whoever they bring in as a guard in this transfer class, which it sounds like they're going to do, like all of those guys, in my opinion, are or will be better players than Michi Johnson. So like he would have played his whole Ohio State career without any kind of, there would have been no solid minutes for him because he just has not turned into the kind of player yet that you know we hope we thought he might be or that you know he thought he was going to be. So the the minutes aren't there for him and they aren't, they were not going to be there. And that's kind of the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, that's just what it is. I mean, that's why, that's why that's, that's the main point of the transfer portal um, is just to try to find an opportunity where it fits a little better and where, you know, you can probably play a little more minutes. Um, that was, there was a lot of people that kind of responded to when people, when like beat guys were transferring or announcing Meech Johnson transferred, a lot of people were like, wasn't he going to be the starting point guard next year? And pretty much all of them, including like Jardy were like, uh, no, no, he wasn't. He was probably – again, like I said, they truly plan on bringing in a point guard in the transfer portal, which we'll talk about. And also, Bruce Thornton might be a day one guy starting. So, 
Uh, as no, of today, he, as of right now, well, as of right he, now is. he is absolutely. Yeah, as of right now, guard. he is your point guard. <laughs> he is the only point guard. So, uh, but yeah, so if it wasn't a priority to bring in a point guard before this, it obviously is now because you don't want Bruce Thornton playing 40 minutes a game as good as he is. Um, so those guys are gone. Um, and yeah, you want, you want to start to get into some transfer portal stuff? I was trying to say about Michi, like this might be a cold take, but honestly, I think that if you made people tell the truth, I don't think it is. I think that Michi Johnson transferring might give this team a chance to be better because it's either going to bring in a guard who is better than Michi Johnson, or even if they just get like an older guard, we kind of talked about this before we hit record. We're talking about this earlier. Even if they get like a a fourth or fifth year senior guard that only can play for one season and then he's done at Ohio state, that would open up a scholarship spot in like 2023 where you could get like a Laurent Rice or like a Rayvon Griffith potentially. So I don't want to be negative and nasty about Michi, but it's going to give them some flexibility to either add a really good player to their 2023 class or improve their team right now by bringing in another guard, like like right here and now, this week, this month. Yeah, and it's interesting because Ohio State obviously doesn't have unlimited scholarships, you know, and we can, we can get into the scholarship thing now because um, – Again, we don't know about Seth Towns, but assuming Seth Towns is back with Michi Johnson leaving, that opens up a second scholarship spot. But if Seth Towns was back, they would only have one scholarship left to give, correct? I'm wrong uh, about that, right? We can, we, can, we can count. So you got your returning players with Michi, with Michi gone. And also, let's assume that Malachi has gone too. Yeah, your returning players then are just – Yeah. Your returning players would be Kalen Etzler, Zed Key – Gene Brown and Justice Suing, I think it's those four. And then if you assume Seth Towns, that's five. And then you add your five freshmen, that makes ten. And then you add Tanner Holden, that makes eleven. Which means yes, they'd have two scholarships. Assuming that Seth Towns is coming back, they have two open scholarships right now. Yeah. So, and if you've been paying any attention, Ohio State has a lot of um, offers out and visits coming up. So it just opens up, you know, for them to go get maybe a. Um, Maybe a Keyshawn Bartholomew. I'm not saying that right, but Colorado Colorado guard who just entered the transfer entered the transfer portal and just announced that he's visiting Ohio State and Oregon soon. Uh, Nigel Pack is a point guard. You know he's visiting April 18th and 19th. So Jermaine Cousinard is kind of a combo guard, but you know from South Carolina, who's a very good player. I watched a lot of South Carolina this year. Um, I like the SEC. So you know th- there's a lot of great names that you can go get, and you know. I think Michi kind of saw that, and he was just like, you know what? And he said, you know, and that's why I didn't think he was going to transfer was because he is a Cleveland kid. I know his, he's got great ties to Ohio State. His family's very close with Chris Holtman. But, you know, he's like, I'm a Buckeye for life, but at the end of the day, I just got to go somewhere where I can play a little more. And, I mean, he goes to a team he can play. He, he has the energy and the, the stamina. He can play 30, 35 minutes a game on a we team. We just got to rein it in, man. We just got to rein it in. I, I you look at a team like a St. Bonaventure, right? St. Bonaventure is a team that runs so many guards. They just started five. They started four guards in their last season. All of them are seniors. Um, you know, that's a good school in the A ten. Like that's gonna, a good program. You're gonna, you're gonna crystal ball. You're gonna crystal ball Michi to St. Bonaventure. <laughs> I'm not crystal balling it, but I'm saying I would be shocked. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. You know, you got four. You got four guards. You got four senior guards there. You know, they just made it to the NIT final. It's a good team. St. Bonaventure is a good team. Good program, good Dude, coach. Like, so. like, like the Buck Nuts notification where it's like Justin Gold, but Crystal Ball, Michi Johnson, then in parentheses, all caps free. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, Michi's got 
me, me, thing for me is like Michi just had so much energy. He like we talked about this too. Like he a lot of times he had such like playing pickup at the gym energy. Like like his eye like once he had the ball in his hands, it was like he already had made up his mind of what he was gonna do. Like regardless of whatever the hell happened, like he's like I'm gonna drive on the right side of the basket, and even if three defenders broke down and and like mugged him in the paint three he's like i'm still putting up this layup or like he gets the ball with like six seconds left in the shot clock uh, above the three-point line it does not matter if like somebody gets up in his face he's like i'm shooting the shot like he, there yeah. are just times when you could just tell like he had made up his mind regardless of like what the defense did he's like this is what i'm doing and usually it it did not work <laughs> yeah so uh michi is transferring out we'll get rolling here uh real quick rayvon griffith he's a four-star kind of kind of just athlete i mean he plays a lot of different positions he's a he's a really good player one of the best players in the 2023 class out of ohio um he is announced he and this has been a big target for ohio state for a while i, I wrote up something about rayvon griffith eight nine months ago about them recruiting him um, he's list. He's narrowed his list down to five: Alabama, Cincinnati, Kansas, Ohio State, UCLA. Kind of a weird list. I mean, Cincinnati obviously it's where he plays ball. Ohio State, you know, Alabama or Kansas, UCLA. You always kind of see those, and then Alabama. Okay, uh, Nate Oates is a great coach, so wouldn't doubt that. But um, he didn't say when he's announcing or anything. But he did say that's just his finalist. So Ohio State making some making some moves in the transfer portal and the recruiting realm. Yeah, Kansas um, and UCLA. I don't think they have any guards in their 2023 classes. I looked them up. Uh, so like they have like they'll have like the positional availability for him that Ohio State might not. But then you'll see if like I don't I don't know how much like in state love will like maybe give Cincinnati or Ohio State an edge. But I think that the yeah. two blue bloods there would have like positional availability for him. Well, and that's the thing when people I saw a lot of people were like, oh, hopefully like he's in Ohio State. Like hopefully the in state thing at Ohio State will help, and it could, but also could just as easily help Cincinnati. That's his home. He, you know, he's from Cincinnati. So um, if that helps anywhere, I'd maybe assume it'd help a little more Cincinnati way, Cincinnati's way, but who knows? He, 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 um, he just announced his finalists. So that'll be interesting to see right now. They still only have one. They have two 2023 commits, right? Austin parks and George Washington. Yeah. So I think they'll get, they'll get one more. Yeah. So they'll probably That's get one guess. more. They're not losing too much. Again, depending on what year kind of transfers they bring in, they shouldn't be losing too much off this this next year's team. So uh, when, that happens when you have nine seniors. That's why I, I saw somebody say to you, uh, you kind of comment, they were like, Ohio State's lost their entire team to the transfer portal and the NBA draft. Like, no, they've lost their entire team to being seniors. Um, yeah, they're just so, old. Like, it'd be, it'd old, be totally yeah. different. It'd be totally different. It's like, like Illinois or like – I shouldn't say Illinois because their whole team hasn't transferred, but Illinois has had a lot of guys transfer out. Uh, like uh, Murray State, um, LSU, like these teams that are like that is that is jarring. Yes. But Ohio State's only lost. I don't even I don't even count Justin Arns as a transfer loss because either. he he chose to be honored at Senior Day knowing he had eligibility left. Like this dude has been gone. Really, they just lost Michi. Um, well, the rest I- is like they're just old. So their new roster is going to be five is going to be five freshmen that have been committed to your program and. Uh, four or five returnees. So that's like ten players right there. And the thing that people don't realize, a lot of times a transfer, like a, like Amici Johnson transferring out, is an indictment on the coaching staff. It's actually a compliment on the coaching staff because it shows they're recruiting well and they're bringing in transfers that are just going to kind of play over him. 
So they're going somewhere they can get more playing time. So it's, you're kind of it's a kind of a double edged sword. And I said this, I think I said it from the Bucketheads account to somebody. It, they were like talking about Justin Arns. They're like nobody wants to play for this team. It's like if you want to make that argument, using the four year guy who was a captain last season might not be the best case study. So that, yeah, like you can either argue that you want you want this team to have all the best players. Yeah, or exactly. you want all the players to say like if fans want this team to win and they want to see success they i'm sorry like they should not be angry or criticizing when a justin arns leaves and a tanner holden comes in yeah, like 100 all that you're doing is making the team better by doing that I'm, I'm sorry to justin arns but like i think that tanner holden is going to be a better big time player than justin arns was so yeah i mean justin arns left but the team has improved by losing him and gaining tanner holden yeah, and then so Ohio State, they did make the final kind of list uh, for Ben Vanderplas, uh, Ohio forward transfer, Jermaine Cousinard, a South Carolina guard transfer, kind of combo guard, and Sean McNeil, a West Virginia guard transfer. Um, I mean, I, I've said this the entire time. If they had three scholarships to give, my dream three would be Nigel Pack, Ben Vanderplas, and Tanner Holden. So I'm starting – like my dream is kind of starting to take picture here. Uh, Kuznard's a better player than I think people are going to give him credit just because they're going to see South Carolina in front of his name. Uh, don't judge a player by the team, judge the player by the player. If you didn't watch South Carolina this year, say you didn't watch South Carolina this year. Um, because well, a lot of people did. So I, he, I did not watch South Carolina this year. Yeah. I mean, I watched probably four or five games and I, and I was actually like, I'm a Frank Martin fan. That's why I was watching. So, and I still didn't get that much. So, um, he's, he's a good player. He's probably the best player on their team. Uh, he would be. He would kind of come in and be an, again a media plug and play. And then Sean McNeil, he's he's a shooter, but he's a little more versatile than just a shooter from West Virginia. I don't know if there's any truth in that he could be a combo with Jalen Bridges from West Virginia. I don't know if they're looking to go to the same school. That doesn't happen often, but it could happen if Ohio State has two transfers. I wouldn't hate it. Um, I do think there's probably better options, but you're not going to get every single best option out there. So. Uh, I think all three of these guys would be guys who can make the team better. And at the end of the day, that's really all you're looking for. So I do still think, think Nigel that, Pack is a priority, though. Yeah, and those are the two. That, I think the coaching others. staff agrees with that with him visiting for two days. Guys who are visiting but are not have not put out like a list. Uh, Nigel Pack, Kansas State transfer guard, pretty much the best available transfer that's out there right now. He's going to be visiting Ohio State April 18th and 19th, which I believe is next Monday and Tuesday. Um, he's also visited Purdue, which is his, uh, near where he grew up. He grew up, I believe around Indy and he also visited Miami. So Nigel Pack, definitely on Ohio state's radar, definitely something that could happen. And then Colorado guard, you mentioned him, Keyshawn Bartholomew. Um, he's like an 11 point to assist kind of guy. He hit like 84% of his free throws last season. Um, not like a star, but a, like a, a very solid player. Those guys are visiting, um, and those two, Pack and Bartholomew, are more of, I believe they're more of like a point guard, point guard, not like an off-ball guard, right? Correct. Yeah, Bartholomew, I mean, Colorado had two younger point guards. They played a little bit throughout the year, so I think he just probably may see that writing on the wall too. Um, and Nigel Pack is just a guy who just, he balled in the Big balled in the big 12. I mean, averaged over 20 a game. So, I mean, if you can bring in two 20-point scores to his team, plus like a Ben Vanderplas or Jalen Bridges, I mean – I'll say – you can clip this. I'll say this right now. I don't even care. It, and this can change because the Big Ten – the Big Ten has so many questions. I don't – I never understand why people go, Ohio State's losing so much they're going to suck. What Big Ten team isn't? Like, I mean, they, every Big Ten team is trying to reload through the transfer portal right now. 
So, but I'll say this with Justice Sewing coming back and assuming Seth Towns is back, if you can add a Nigel Pack and a Ben Vanderplas to the Tanner Holden, this is a top 15 team in the country. Very comfortable saying that. Ooh. Very comfortable okay. saying that. Nigel Pack, Tanner Holden, Justice Sewing, uh, Ben Vanderplas, and a Zed Key starting five of some sort. That's a top 15 team in the country. I hope somebody does clip that. Um, I hope they do too. I'm never wrong. I've been wrong like three times already in this podcast, but I'm never wrong. He's a never lost. Never I lost. never lost. Never lost. Uh, I think that, that is, that's the two pack they need to get for sure. Is like I, I really don't want them to pick up any more like combo guard, off guard kind of guys. Like I want them to go out and get get a forward, get a guy like Ben Vanderplas or Jalen Bridges, who's like going to get you like ten points and like five or six rebounds per game so that you can start next to Justice Suing, and then go get probably a point guard like i wouldn't be upset if bruce bruce thornton started at point guard because i think he's going to be a lot of fun but i don't know if that would make ohio state a better team uh i also like to see them go out and get an older point guard like a nigel pack jalen llewellyn just committed to clemson so he's off the board mm-hmm. um but yeah i think they need to get up and tristan up, newton up. just committed to uconn he also he was never really on the board because he was always like kind of uconn but he was also he was someone ohio state least contacted so yeah, they they need to get a true a true point guard point guard that they can play with Bruce Thornton or even in place of Bruce Thornton and have Bruce Thornton come off the bench behind them and then they have to have to have to get a forward like you cannot I'm sorry like we're we're big Gene Brown fans but like if you're a team that actually wants to win a Big Ten championship I don't know how you can like start Gene Brown again and be like this is a team that we're gonna win a Big Ten title with and start Gene Brown who is a big effort guy, but he's also like a four points per game guy. Like you cannot start Justice Suing and Gene Brown. They need to start Justice Suing and insert transfer forward. Yeah, the only caveat I'll say to that is, again, big caveat. Um, but that's if they if they bring in like only like a Nigel Pack and you run like a Nigel Pack, Gene Brown, Tanner Holden, Justice Suing, one through four. I think that's still a very good team. Because I think you don't need Gene Brown to be a scorer with those three. Um, I think they, I but, think they would get dominated on the glass, though. Like, well, that's the thing. How good? I mean, Holden average. It'll, it'll, yeah, it'll, be, it'll depend on how well Holden Holden averaged over seven rebounds a game last year. It'll just depend on how well that translates to the Big Ten. It could translate perfectly because rebounding is a skill, or it could transfer not as great just because bigger guys. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that how that dynamic transfers. Another another thing that. Um, I always, and I've tried, kind of been saying this, Bruce Thornton is kind of the face of the 2022 class because he's the highly, he's the highest rate recruit and, and it makes sense. Roddy Gale is kind of the biggest, I think, ceiling guy. Roddy Gale probably would have been a five-star if he didn't get hurt last year. Uh, he missed an entire season because of an injury. He is a star by every sense of the imagination. He's a star. So he could come in and also he could be an immediate starting kind of guy. So that's another thing. I just don't – I mean, it's tough to rely on freshmen that aren't your Paulo Bencaras of the world. But, I mean, there's been – I mean, you look at Wisconsin. I mean, Chucky Hepburn wasn't even top 100 guy. He played great minutes for them starting at the point guard. So, But they had Brad Davison to kind of compliment him. So it just depends. And I don't see this. Yeah, Davis, yeah I don't see him I mean, having they, a Johnny Davis. But – Somebody's going to yeah, make I mean, a jump. I mean, they ran, it could a, be they ran a three guard lineup. They ran a three guard lineup with Hepburn, Davison, and Davis, but their center was also Stephen Crowell, who's seven feet tall. Yeah. And Ohio State doesn't have that. I just, I personally, I don't love the idea of having your three be holding and your four be suing and your five be key because I agree. I don't love it. I'm just, six, eight. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think yeah. that they'd have the same problems rebounding that they did last year. I like, I really, really, really need to see them get like a Jalen Bridges or a, a Ben Vanderplas who's like six, seven, two thirty. So you have like six, eight Zed key next to six, seven Jalen Bridges next to six, seven justice suing. So even if you don't have like a one big center, you have like several guys who can maybe grab you like six to seven rebounds. That's my preference though. No, I, I completely agree. I'm actually surprised Jalen Bridges has not announced yet because he was early with visits. So we'll see. I, I expect to hear from him soon. Where are they? They just he said, might go to Michigan he State. just said yesterday that he's still planning on campus visits with like Michigan State and Alabama. Like he has not visited those schools he yet. He might be waiting person. to see like what a Joey Hauser does for Michigan State. Who knows? But, um, so yeah, that's all I got on the recruiting though. Front. Trying to think anything else. Front. Mike Netty still has not been named the third assistant yet. So, Maybe it's I don't know why it's taking so long. Maybe they end up not making Mike Nenny the third assistant, but like everything that we're hearing basically from like Jardy and the other outlets is that F, that sounded like kind of a formality for a while. Like Mike Nenny is going to be the third assistant, but it's taking a long time. Recruiting is picked back up. Um, it's on and off with dead periods and active recruiting periods, but like at least they have Jack Owens now, so he has two assistants, but like they could have a third if they hired a third assistant like Thad Mata got hired a week and a half ago and he's already filled out his whole staff but Ohio State still does have an empty spot right now yeah technically but also they could have just like Mike Nettie might know he's the assistant they just haven't announced it you know who knows how this stuff works so in terms of just announcing it um because remember they just announced Jack Owens and we've known that for a week and a half officially they announced him so I don't think we have anything else in there that, that that's a lot of it's a lot of good housekeeping stuff I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Now that we got all that out of the way, we can do the fun stuff. We talked to Joe Gemma from Ohio State. We already kind of introed him earlier, I guess. Joe Gemma, Ohio State's uh, social media accounts. He also runs some of the women's account. Really, really funny dude. Um, he went to Columbus College Art and Designs. He's an Ohio guy. He's He's been here for a long time. He's, he loves basketball. He's a huge goofball. We asked him some direct basketball stuff, and we also asked him some really like wonky out of left field stuff, and he had some really, really good stories for us. So without further ado, here is our interview with Joe Gemma. We are here talking to Joe Gemma today, the man behind Ohio State men's and women's hoops social media accounts. Joe, Joe also does uh, 
some photography for the programs, help with recruiting graphics and all kinds of creative media there with the Two Hoops programs. Joe, how are we feeling today? What's going on? I'm feeling great. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited to feel uh, feel like maybe I don't even deserve this. So what an honor it is. Oh, you absolutely deserve it. We've uh, <laughs> we've been we've been kicking around the idea of having you on for for a little while now. We think it'll be a lot of fun. So um, the the hoop socials have they've really climbed quite a bit the last couple of years, and I think a big part of that is how the brand itself has really taken on a personality since you've been running it. Um, it's just kind of goofy and fun and you, you interact with people that are replying, you know, the goofball kids that are like, how are you doing Edmund? And you're like, how are you? Um, <laughs> yeah. But bef- before we get into the nuts and bolts of what you're doing, we would yeah. really love to hear your take on how you like got to this job. So like, is this what you wanted to do in high school? Is this what you studied in college? Did you do other jobs that kind of climbed you to this like what steps did you take to end up running ohio state's you know socials and doing a lot of you know creative media for them yeah so i um i kind of got started in high school doing a lot of graphic design stuff i knew at that time you know like i've always been a sports fan like that was always my motivation to kind of get into the sports industry somehow and i had a an interest in graphic design and um so i always thought that that would be my path into the sports industry so through high school um, and then into college, I, I studied advertising and graphic design at uh, Columbus College of Art and Design, which is like a real small private art school downtown. And um, while I was there, I was hired as through someone I knew told me there was an opening that they thought I'd be interested in as a graphic design intern for the athletic department. And that was my sophomore year, which would have been 2015. So I started then um, as like an intern graphic designer and I was just doing a bunch of projects for like, you know, rowing and the pistol and rifle team. And I was like the, you know, bottom of the totem pole whenever there was a project that needed to get passed on to people, I would do it. Um, and as I, as I grew there, I was there for a couple of years and started taking on bigger projects and kept kind of making it known that um, I was interested in working with basketball because that's like the sport that I love the most is, is basketball. I was really interested in working with their team. Um, and so as that kind of progressed, I, um, started taking on more projects and I worked really closely with their video coordinator, Kyle Davis, who after a while just stopped even trying to go through the normal channels to get projects to me because he would just communicate directly to me, which was pretty rare for like an intern to have that sort of relationship with the program. And that was around, I mean, the timing was just really lucky because that was around the same time that basketball had been starting to explore the idea of adding people to their own creative media team. Cause at the time they didn't have one. Um, and it was right around that time where this stuff was starting to blow up with like recruiting graphics and Twitter and people, I think programs started to see the importance of investing in, in creatives. Um, and the timing really worked out. So they, they hired me as a full-time intern to work with just basketball my senior year. And then at the end of my senior year, I got on board. Um, they hired me full-time and I've been doing it since then. So this is, this past season was my fifth year doing it and it's been it's been a ride yeah and joe you know you said you kind of you came on uh kind of at the end of the thad mata tenure and into the uh chris holtman tenure just kind of talk a little bit about you know when a new staff comes in or whatnot how does that kind of work in between working with the new staff but also do you kind of get a lot of your guidance from the athcom department or the you know the sports information people how does who kind of uh, tells you like what kind of freedoms you have to run the account and and how much oversight is there from other yeah. staff members? Yeah. So so the the Mata era, like like you mentioned, I, I was there for the 
Like I, I was there right at the end. Like I never covered a game during the Mata era. I got hired on right after the Big Ten tournament. Um, and then uh, the end of that era. And, and so it was like, it kind of presented an interesting opportunity um, with that new staff coming in. They are in a lot of ways, the direct, uh, that's who I directly report to as far as from like covering the team on social media. They kind of, if I step out of line, they're the first ones. Or if I step out of line in their eyes, they're the first ones to let me know. Like they kind of want to dictate the the messaging of the program and the image of the program. Um and it was interesting when um, when the Holtman era started when they ki- when they kind of um, came in. I think they were to a degree not familiar as much with this space um, coming from Butler. And like I said, the time this would have been like 2017. Um, it just wasn't as big of a space at the time, so they were really unfamiliar with it and very, um, I, I would say, like gun shy with it. Like they were. Um, very concerned that we would get too silly or goofy, which is funny to think about now because I think now I, we're probably the stupidest account in college basketball at times. But um, like I, I think that trust that we've gained over the last couple of years with that staff has warmed them up to the idea. And then too, just the 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 rate NIL legislation, they've started to see the importance of of promoting our team in a positive light on social media. And so all of that has kind of expanded um, their willingness to let me be myself on the account and be goofy when I see fit. So it's, it's been a little bit of a growing process for them to understand what exactly it is that I do. But they, at the end of the day, if, if, if coach Holtman sees something on our Twitter account that he wants taken down, that is, that takes priority over everything. So has that happened before? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head specifically, but there are times where he just, um, we'll get a text. A lot of times it, I'll, I won't get a text from him, but I'll get a text from someone that is like, hey, Holtman saw this and thought maybe we should cool it on that. And it's like, and it's usually the stuff, and that's been a learning process for me too, is understanding exactly what we're comfortable with doing and what we're not comfortable with doing. A lot of that stuff comes down to, um, uh, you'll see a lot of teams do the stuff where they are like going kind of at other teams in a way where they're like taking like shots. Like I remember, I remember I had a, I had a conversation with Holtman one time about, um, Indiana and Purdue, I think it was Purdue that like put out a graphic where they like put their home court inside of um, uh, uh, Indiana's arena and put out a graphic like this is our home court or whatever, like because we win here all the time. And it was like, yo, he was like, if we ever do anything like that, like don't come in tomorrow. Like, you know, like it's like we are not taking shots that ho- that heavy. Um, so, yeah, there are times where he gets the absolute veto power, but you know, when I first started, there was a lot more of like, before we wanted to post anything, we kind of had to run it by at least someone on staff. And that's absolutely not the case anymore. I mean, most of the time we, uh, yeah, most most of the time we've been given that freedom. Yeah. Is it something where they, could they come to you and say like, Joe, this is the idea we have. Can, Can you get something together? Or is it you saying, I've got this idea here it is. Are we good with this? Or do you just kind of say like, this is pretty dope. I'm going to just going to run this. And if they don't like it, they'll let me know. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it really depends. There's, there's an example of each one of those types of things where it's like, you know, sometimes the staff will say, Hey, we've got these new players coming in. We, we think we want to do something with them. Uh, so our fans get to know them better and, and kind of give me the freedom to decide how I think that should be best done. There's been other times where they want things extremely specific and we'll just essentially write it out for me and I just need to execute it. And then there's other times where I've thought like, yeah, I think one that comes to mind really specifically is when we did um, 
when we had one of our games canceled this year and we did that stupid uh like ohio state versus 15 steph curry's on 2k like <laughs> fake game that was yeah. one that, that i was like sitting at my house like just like you know i don't even think if i explain this they're gonna understand what i'm talking about so i'm just gonna like i'm gonna do it because it's gonna be i also that one was funny because i timed it I started, I kicked off that game or tipped off that game on 2K right as practice started for us. So I knew that they'd all be busy and not looking at their phones. And I was like, this will be done by the time they see it. So they're going to have to just kind of accept it. Um, so there's times like that where I just kind of take the risk and, and it usually pays off. They're usually pretty cool about it at this point. And with with follows, now this one is really, really interesting to me. So I'm really excited yeah. to hear what we have to say about this. With follows, following specific yeah. players, recruits, potential transfers, um, are you, as the guy that runs the account, allowed to just follow anybody and be like, you know, for example, I think that Paulo Bancaro, like a year and a half ago, I think Paulo Bancaro is a really cool player. I'm going to follow him because some fans might see that as, oh, God, Ohio State is they're, – they're looking at Paulo Bancaro. And then like so transfers funny. right now, like Ohio State followed Tanner Holden, for example, on Twitter and only a couple of the transfers and then Tanner Holden – I guess it's not – oh, it was officially announced. Is coming to Ohio State. So you have people tweeting at us saying, Ohio State hoops follows players A, B, C, D, and E in the transfer portal. <laughs> Do you think that means anything? And we're like, dude, I don't know. I have no idea. That's, that's a great question because I see those tweets too. Like I, I was actually – I feel like I saw one very recently. Cause, and, and there's that one um, Ohio State basketball Twitter community or whatever on, on Twitter that I've been following along, just kind of like lurking and seeing what people – have to say and they're always talking like yo we just followed so and so and uh that that's kind of like there's multiple people that have access to our twitter account so occasionally it'll be um me sometimes it'll be someone higher up on staff whether that's like kyle davis our video coordinator and there's not too much I, i don't i don't read into that too much where it's like okay boom incoming we just followed so and so that's usually the guys that we plan on having visit campus or i or we know we've been in contact with um, but there's, it's, it, it's usually it, as, as I think is obvious, we, we certainly don't get everybody that we follow and there's a lot of following and unfollowing that occurs. And, um, it, it is funny though, that, uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes that's one that you just like, I'm going to throw this a follow and just see if anyone notices. And then it's funny to see it pop up, but no, there's not too much to read into that. It's usually just the, the players, um, that we, that, that our program's currently interested in trying to stay in contact with, because, a lot of time for us, that stuff's helpful um, as we're getting into recruiting to see what those guys are interested in. We get on their social media and try to get a feel for what that player, you know, their interests outside of basketball. Because from my perspective, for a lot of the recruiting stuff I do, we get into like making graphics about some of that stuff or, or just try to get an idea of their personality. So that's where a lot of that comes from. So you would say, so if, if Ohio State who follows a specific player, you'd say that there's probably some level of interest there, but don't make any assumptions because that's what people keep asking us basically is they're like, well, they follow, uh, and you don't have to comment on this, but like, they're like, they, they follow Ben Vander plus 10, Tanner Holden, Nigel pack, and these four other guys. But Adam Jardy's list has these 12 guys. And we're just like, dude, dude, we, we don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, yeah, out, yeah it's, it's like that. It's the, like that gif of Charlie from it's always sunny. He's like yes, putting the things yes. together on the board. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. Re- yeah, certainly. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Those are usually um, players that our our program is potentially in contact with, but there's nothing, you know, that that is certainly not signif- significant in any way. Determining, you know, if we don't follow someone, that doesn't mean that that player is is not on our list or or vice versa. You know, 
but that is funny. I've never, that's interesting. People pay attention to that stuff. It's, it's hilarious. And uh, so this one's always fun because I, I went to Kent State and I worked for the Athcom department. And when I was an intern, a lot of times I would do like Instagram stories or whatnot, like basketball games. And like right. one time I accidentally posted a selfie of myself on the Instagram story. <laughs> You know, have been, yes. and I, I used to get so terrified posting just anything at first. Has there ever been a moment where you posted something you're like, "Oh shit!" and realized it was a mistake? Or <laughs> there, there was like, one what's your time, worst one? There, there was only one time that I can remember off the top of my head where I was like, "Ah, oh, that was like." And there was like I think a four minute period where I just I, for some reason I, I'm a big like post what song I'm listening to on my story guy on my personal account. And there was one time where I did it from hoops. I don't even remember what song it was. It, there was no way it was something that made sense. Like I was probably listening to like Slim Thug or something and put it on Ohio State Hoops story. And I'm for anyone who saw that was just like, all right, like hoops is like bumping today. Like I respect it. But that, that's the only one that comes to my mind. I do get nervous with that stuff, though. Um, I've gotten better at it now. But um, uh, you always got to be careful. Uh, there was a, there was a period of time where Ohio State Hoops had a close friend story on Instagram that was like exclusive to like either our, there were some players and managers and stuff. And there was that, that was an era where I was like, this, this is flying too close to the sun. We got to shut down the close <laughs> friend story. Cause there's like, this could, this could be the path to some problems. So that, that was short lived, but that's, that's about as close as we, as we've gotten to like a serious problem. <laughs> how impactful. So since you got there to now, how impactful do you think social media, creative media, uh, graphics, all that stuff in recruiting, how much more important has that become in the past five years? And like, how, how important really is that when you have a like recruit, whether that's a high school kid or a transfer that, that comes to Ohio State to visit and like your role in that visit, how impactful do you think that is now? And how much more important has that become in the last five years? I think it's obviously um, grown in its importance, or at least it's 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 grown in its value in the eyes of like our staff. Because I think if you had asked me five years ago, I feel it it was as important then as it is today. Um, but there's certainly more, um, I think, overall understanding from our staff and the importance of it and the role that it plays. I think you know when we sit down with um, incoming recruits and talk about the impact of Ohio State, I think that's a big sell for us is that we're a nationally recognized brand. Um, and, you know, I, I know it's it's always an uphill battle. Sometimes we, we talk about like Ohio State football and Ohio State basketball. Um, but we, we have to, pr- that's kind of our proof is is the fact that our, our social media accounts and our um, engagement numbers are on par with, I mean, if you look at those, those statistics that come out every so often, about every month, they drop like the, Twitter accounts in college basketball that are performing the best. And we're, we're consistently in the top 10 of those lists. And that stuff matters to, to recruits. And I think now more than ever, especially because um, one of our general cells that we, we talk to recruits about is the importance of increasing their following. Um, because the, the more followers they have, the more opportunities they'll have in the NIL space. Um, and so that becomes super important to us where it's like, hey, do you want to go to a program where if you hit a game winning shot and we retweet you onto your page, you're being shown to 150,000 people versus 70,000 people, those things really matter. And so those are the kind of the metrics that we try to convince, you know, incoming players and and like prospects as well as our staff on like, this is why we need to keep investing in this space because we think players have told us how much it matters to them. Yeah. And, you know, you've had an interesting five years in terms of just running this kind of 
as the world's gone. And I want to shout out uh, Mike Napier with the analytics because he yes. saw that he saw that he uh, he said that when Holtman took over, they had under forty thousand followers, and now they're at about one hundred forty five thousand. So you know you've helped grow yeah. that in those five years, and that's been through a COVID shutdown. You know, obviously there's off season where there's no basketball, and Ohio State fans they got that that switch that they flipped that's just immediately football. You know, what kind right. of stuff do you do when basketball is not happening, or just throughout these five years to really just help promote this brand and kind of keep people. Uh, focused and engaged on somewhat basketball. I think I think what our and, and what we've gotten good at, especially when there's lulls like like we talk about, or when there isn't exactly the you know we're not beating number one Duke at home. Like when when you beat a Duke at home, that takes care of itself. We could have posted a photo. You could have posted a selfie of me and just said like we won, and that would have <laughs> gone off the chain. Um, and maybe we should have. But yeah, um, that would have done numbers. That would have done I numbers. Actually, <laughs> I, I actually think that might have done all right. Um, but there's um, in the in, in sort of the those lulls, I think what we've done a good job of, we, we kind of prioritize two things. One, we we try to prioritize like showing the personality of our players. I think like EJ Liddell is kind of the prime example of that where you we try to build an affinity with our players off, outside of the idea of them just being basketball players like one of the earliest ideas we had when we started talking about some of this stuff was like EJ Liddell, best smile in college basketball. And I remember yeah. saying in a meeting one time, I was like, if we just start saying that people will just accept that it's a fact, whether it's, you know, I, I haven't seen every smile in basketball. Like, I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty of great smiles in basketball, but if we just are the first ones to say it, and then, you know, by the end of the year, you hear announcers saying it on, um, on live broadcasts. And I think that's what helps us in those lulls is to continue to push content that show our guys in a positive light outside of basketball, whether that's just like the things they're doing off the court or just their, some of those stupid videos that we make that are just like them. Like when EJ was on the Zamboni, that was so dumb, but like, those are the things that do, um, those are the things that do as well as any of the content we put out on bat on, um, on hoops. And then I think too, we have such a luxury. Um, I think the thing that I love the most about running hoops versus um, like if I were to be um, on a part of the football team is I feel like we have the luxury of, uh, you know, I talked about we're kind of the little brother in, in that relationship between us and football. Like that's obvious. And I think that kind of gives us a license to be goofier to a degree because it's like yeah. a little lower pressure. So I think the fact that like, you know, football is so intense and high pressure people take it so seriously at Ohio state that like they can't really afford to be, you definitely don't see them in their comments, like replying to kids, ratioing them. And like, (laughs) there's just like a reason for it. They can't like, they can't be like that goofy. I don't think. And I think that level of um, goofiness kind of has, has gotten us a little bit. There's, there's people in our comments all the time that are like, it's, we have like a very small army of like a cult following of people that are always like commenting goofy stuff. And I think those are the kind of things that keep us running when there's not always like, your your basketball to talk about yeah you can't put cj stroud on the zamboni it doesn't look right no i don't know i just something about that wouldn't wouldn't match their brand but i think for us it um i don't know why i think people have just gotten used to like all right they're the goofballs yeah (laughs) whose idea was the uh back in the fall the 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 malachi's water bottle is gone we have to get it back was that your (laughs) idea (laughs) no i wish i could take credit for that so that was one you know that one the, the two that there's, there's so many of those, like this is Ohio state hoops esque videos. The, the, a lot of those are like group efforts um, where it's like myself, our new video guy, Ben majors. I should stop calling him new. He just finished his first season, but he's new. He's, he's new relative to me. Um, and Kyle Davis, 
our video coordinator, a lot of time, a lot of times he'll come down with like really bizarre ideas. And that's where a lot of those stem from. And Kyle was the one who came up with that idea for like, um, the water, the Malachi water bottle one. It was one of those ones. He, he came down to our office and he was like, Oh, this would be funny. Like, you like, oh, I, I had this idea to do a video. Like, wouldn't that be like stupid? It was one of those like, oh, we, that would be so dumb. Like, unless, like, what if we did do that? And it was one of the. I was like, you know what? Like, we should do that. Um, that was one that Kyle came up with, and I thought that was um, really well executed. And it was that was right after the Duke win too. So we had that was yeah. a great way for us to like kind of extend that win. We we that's that's kind of the way we were framing that is like we're riding the momentum of that great win. We have an opportunity here to like strike while the iron's hot. Let's do something that like is actually, you know, a highlight video is expected. People know we're going to put out a highlight video of us beating Duke. But like if we put out something really bizarre, like people will start commenting. And, and I think that helps us. So this is this is a little more serious, not super serious, but a little more serious. So the news came out about an hour ago. I'm sure you knew before we did that, that Michi is transferring. He's going to look to go play elsewhere. Um, this is a kid that, you know, he, he came in at I think he was 17 years old. Like he was off a year of injury. It's because CJ was hurt and, and Jimmy was hurt. And so Michi comes in as he should be a high school senior, and he kind of fills the void. He really took one for the team and playing a little bit over his head. He's he's heading right. out, but he really filled a void. And I don't think there's a single Ohio State fan that's going to be bitter or upset about Michi moving on to try to find a place where he can have a big role and have a great career. So good for him. And we want to know from you, can you give us your your favorite Michi story from the time that you have been with him? Oh, that's a good question. That kid's a goofball. You know, I don't know exactly what I'm allowed to comment on as far as his current status in the portal or any of that. I, I, I like you said, whatever he ends up deciding to do, I, I wish him the best because he is a funny kid. There, there was. Oh, you know what my favorite Michi story was? This is this is so dumb. But him and Zed as like a a combo were so goofy on like team buses and team trips. Um, one of the first things I can remember was. We, we, we did it. We took a trip or obviously we were playing in Rutgers. This would have been Zed's freshman year. This was the COVID year. Um, and we were coming back from that game. We were on the bus and driving to the airport and you could see the skyline of New York, which Zed is from uh, New York. And so Zed was like doing the like dumbest, like, you know, Oh, that, that's the Empire State Building. Yep, I remember. Like he was like, it was the the worst like <laughs> tour guide you'd ever heard. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, I've seen the Empire State Building before. Like you, like the the most the least informed local you've ever heard. And um, and he was like, uh, he was like, yo, that, that's this, that's this. And I I turned around because he was sitting two seats behind me. It was myself, Michi behind me, and then Zed. And I was like, Zed, like you aren't even from New York. You're from Bayshore. Um, cause it was, was New long, York City. Long Zed, Island, right? Yeah. I was, yeah. I was like, you're from Bayshore, New York, like quit acting like you're a local. And it turned into this entire argument where Michi hopped on board with that. And I was like, Zed, like, don't even talk right now. Like, this isn't your city. Like you're not from, you're not from New York. You're from Bayshore. And like Zed was getting, it was, it was approaching that line of like, haha, we're kidding, but also like, stop saying that. And that, that's <laughs> one of, that was one of my first memories of Michi. I was like, this kid, this this kid's a clown, you know, like in a, in the, in a, in a, like that, that was the first instance of those two having a relationship that I was like, God, like these, these team trips are going to be just comedy watching those two interact with each other. Cause it was like a, it felt a lot like a, like two brothers that were always bickering. It was very funny. They are, were, are, I guess we don't know if he's moved out or how long he's staying in Columbus, but they're roommates too, right? Yeah. I believe at least their freshman year, they were roommates. I don't know exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sure, um. I think they stayed roommates, but yeah, yeah. It was like him. Eugene was always around like that little group um, was always 
goofing around on, on road trips in a way, not in, not to make it sound, they were like completely unserious the entire time we were playing basketball, but they, it was always comedy with those guys. So we'll, uh, we'll close it out here with a little six pack of kind of rapid fire questions, you know, oh, yeah. um, and you can, you know, answer these kind of, however, you know, first thing comes to your mind or you can give a little context. That's up to you. Um, sure. you can, you know, you've been a part of a lot of teams, so it's, you've seen a lot of players. So which guy eats the most? These are big dudes. <laughs> oh, now this dude. is this is the entire the entire time you've been with the program, not yeah. just the most recent team. Yeah, right. since you started, yeah. Yeah, I think the ones that you would expect are the ones that come to mind. I think Zed obviously is a machine. There, I'm trying to think if there's anyone there's anyone that sticks out, you know, uh, like a point Jamari guard that's just always snacking or something. J- Jamari was was a little bit of a snacks guy, always getting cookies. Um, there was a there was uh, the like cookie gate of like when we'd go on road trips and the cookies would be out for the hotel meals and our strength coach um, Q would like walk in and like try to like no like put the cookies away to the hotel staff so our players couldn't have them and they'd be trying to they, so it would become a game of like could they get to the cookies before Q would see. That was always a thing, but yeah, I think I would say Zed's at the top of that list. I hope to God, I, I hope to God he's not listening to this because he'll be on my ass about it. But yeah, I, I would honestly put Zed at the top of that list. Which uh, which guy was absurdly good at another sport other than basketball? Mm, that's an interesting question. We had um, oh man, we just played. There was a part of um this past season where uh, on a practice day we played this like bizarre form of wiffle ball in um, inside the practice gym where it was like a tennis ball, like this horrible wiffle ball bat. Um, and, and Keyshawn Woods was playing pretty well. <laughs> it, um, and then there was someone else who was, who, someone was just hitting home. I mean, Kyle Young was hitting home runs. Like I think almost every time he came up to bat um, and he kind of looks like a slugger. So that one, that one kind of makes sense. And everyone thinks EJ would be a great tight end. I've never, you know, I've never seen him put on pads. When we did, um, last season we did a EJ, or we put some of our players in pads as like a graphic and put it out for football season. And, and EJ looked the part, I would say, the most. So do with that what you will. Who is, and I feel like there's a lot, there could be a lot of answers to this question, but since you've been there, who's been the funniest player? Oh, man. There's so many guys. It's always, I, Zed, Zed is such a goofball. You know who's underrated? Ibrahima Diallo. And I don't know if Ibrahima was always intentionally funny. I don't know if Ibrahima <laughs> was always intentionally funny, but Ibrahima was was a good player to have around for those moments. Who's been the biggest hype man? So I, I don't care how great they were at basketball, but like <laughs> they got the team pumped up. And when you walked away, you're like, we could beat anybody because this person just fired me up. I'm ready to go. Joey Lane certainly wanted to be that guy. <laughs> I don't know that I would. <laughs> I don't know if I would qualify Joey Lane if, if I'm. That's another player. I hope, I hope Joey doesn't hear that either. But another um, another Joey, friend of the pod, Joey Lane. He's been on. Yeah, yeah, great, great. <laughs> Joey Lane was great um, for the effort. Um, CJ Walker had a way of like, I don't know that dude. When he would speak, it would be like, damn. Like sometimes you'd listen to him and be like, like, is it really like that serious right now? Like it would be like, <laughs> yo, like we're playing like you know Bowling Green. Like this is like war. Like all right, I love it. <laughs> And uh, was there a guy at practice who maybe didn't get to show it as much, or but just a guy at practice who just gave everybody problems all the time? Everybody problems might be a stretch. I always loved watching Danny Hummer play because it was inspiring to see 
someone like him that looked like him doing what he would do. You know, everyone, I thought he was a great practice player. I think it would be a stretch to say absolutely giving buckets. Um, but I always liked watching Danny practice. All right. Last one. Which former player or players not counting our good friend, grandpa, Greg Oden, not counting Greg, which former player or players comes around the program the most, like during the season and off season, who's like bopping in and out the most uh, as far as like former players that most people would know. Yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of, um, uh, John Diebler, obviously, because his um, brother Jake is our assistant coach. So I, I've, I've gotten to see um, John quite a bit. He'll come around. I feel like a lot of those guys, it, it, outside of him, a lot of those like TBT tier players that you see playing for the um, yeah. Carmen's crew, Aaron Craft, you'll see every once in a while, especially that time of year. I think that is one of the cooler parts of our program is seeing those guys because those are the dudes that like I obviously grew up watching. Like, and they'll just be like, "Yo, what's up, Joe?" And I'm like. Hey, what's up, Jared Sullinger? Like, I I had a jersey of you growing up, so that's always cool. Um, and then, uh, as time goes on, we've saw D'Angelo has started to come around, especially more during when we had like that vet week last week last year, where we had a bunch of former players come back. And I think um, Evan Turner, obviously. I mean, all those guys really you see around a fair amount um, when the NBA season's especially not going on. And Mike, Mike. Mike is around. Mike is just working out in the gym sometime. Mike Conley. Um, that's always like those. Those are the guys that like end up. Those like Mike Conleys end up like are the only people that I really feel like starstruck by. Still, where I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I, I was a uh, in ops. I worked in ops at the shot all through college, and I would be one of the one of the dudes with like a little doodle duster in the gym when they're trying to practice, and it's like, hold on, I got to doodle <laughs> dust the floor. And one day I was in there cleaning the <laughs> practice gym, and. Mike Conley walks in in like a hoodie and some sweats and he had his yep. foot up and I was like, who is this like five foot 10 dude that's about yes. to make me move. And then he takes the hood off and I was like, Oh my God, that's Mike <laughs> Conley. Like he's not I as know. big as I, I think he would be, but I was like, Oh my God, dude. I know I had the same reaction when I first saw him was like, he looked, he's so slight and like it, it, there's, he's completely like, you know, like you said, like if you didn't, if he had his hood up, you wouldn't think like, oh, there's like an NBA hooper. And he takes his hood off and it's like, you know, a, 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 a beam of light shines behind him. Um, it, so that, that, that's definitely an experience that I can relate to. Uh, Joe, we, we had high hopes for this. I, I had a lot of fun. We got a lot of good info. I hope you had a good time. Um, hopefully we can have you on again either some point during the season or, or before the season. I don't know. At some point, we got to have you back on. But before we get you out of here, um, obviously people can follow at Ohio state hoops, Instagram, Twitter, but where can they follow you uh, personally? If, if they want to follow for what you tweet personally. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cause that's, that's the most important thing. Of course. I think, you know, we talk about Ohio state hoops, Twitter, and that's great and all, but the, the at Jody Gemma on Twitter is going to be where the fun stuff is at. So make sure you follow along there. And that's, that's my username on everything. But, um, if you're into Ohio state basketball, definitely give a follow. Or if you're into just, um, someone tweeting about, uh, every instance of their life that they find even mildly amusing definitely give me a follow all right joe we appreciate it you have a good rest of your week and hopefully we can get you on here in the future again sounds great guys i appreciate it Thanks again to Joe for joining us today. Uh, like like Connor said before the interview, really funny guy. And you know, once you get to know that 
once you listen to that, it kind of makes sense. He's the guy that runs the Ohio State Hoops account because you can kind of get that vibe uh, from he does a good job kind of putting his own personality into those accounts. Um, and you, you tell how much fun he has with it. If you are finding us on the website, please also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, wherever else you get your podcasts. You can find us under the Land Grant Holy Land feed. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Bucketheads LGHL. You can follow Land Grant 33. And you can follow me at Justin underscore Golba. Connor, where are you? Uh, you can follow me at Lamons, which is L E M O N S underscore Connor on Twitter. Um, I think that's all we got today with the interview and all that stuff. I think we went well over an hour, so hopefully that can hold people over for a couple weeks. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks.